Hey everybody, it's Alexander Dahl with Manifest Brutality once again. Uh, so keeping on the current trend, I've got yet another interview ready to go. Uh, we're going to keep trying to do them uh, three a week here as we go. Um, and then we'll finish out the wave and then start looking at the next one. Um, so without further ado, here you go. Alright, so I'm currently on the phone with Charlie. He's another musician that reached out to me about the current interview series going on. So I'm going to go ahead and give him a chance to introduce himself. How's it going? I'm Charlie Odell. Um, I was a Bay Area musician for 20 years and recently moved out to uh, Minnesota. Um, you know, just uh, kind of getting started over here. So it's been kind of a slow start with COVID and everything. But you know, just trying my best to meet new musicians and get something started out here. Sure, definitely. Um, so typically, I always like to start at the beginning. I'm going to kind of jump a little bit ahead just because I'm curious. Um, what was the motivation to move from uh, San Francisco to Minnesota? Uh, so it was, a, it was a kind of multiple part thing. So a big chunk of it was just the cost of living out there and the cost of uh, buying a house. We were considering buying a house and what we were looking at was like a you know two bedroom with no yard for two million, and we were just not interested in spending that much on you know potentially nothing. Sure. And uh, at the time, there was a lot of fires too. I'm a, I'm originally from Paradise, California. Okay. So um, so my hometown burnt burnt down um, mm -hmm. quite some time ago, and um, it was just it was getting really sketchy because I I'm a uh, I'm an essential worker. I actually work in the veterinary field. Okay. And um, so I work outside a lot and just with the smoke and with everything that's going on with COVID and everything being shut down all the time, it just got got to be a little much down there. So sure. we decided to move over in October and it's it was uh not not the greatest time to choose to move because it was right before the winter season over here. Right. But, you know, it, it was uh, it was a good move because it's been it's definitely been a different pace out here and just a little easier to live. Sure, definitely. And, you know, luckily this past winter, we did have somewhat of a mild winter. Otherwise, yeah, yep, yep. moving to Minnesota in the winter scary. is not the greatest idea. <laughs> yeah, which is scary for me to hear because I'm like, man, this is bad. And yeah. like, no, this is fine. You know? it's, oh, yeah. it's above 10. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that was nothing. All right. So anyway, we'll get, we'll get back to uh, what we're actually here for. Um, so how did you first identify music? And like, what about it uh, really kind of spoke to you and made you realize that you wanted it in your life? So I'm actually part of a musical family. My dad was a longtime drummer in the Bay Area. He played with with bands like War and Great Great Ken and all them, mm -hmm. and uh, so he he played in the local scene. And growing up with him as my dad, I would follow him to practices. You know, at four or five years old, and then around six or seven, he was like, you know, you need to you need to choose an instrument. What are you going to learn? Mm -hmm. What do you feel like learning? And I said, you know, I want to play guitar, but in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, electric guitar with like distortion and like, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking rock and. He goes out and he gets me this nylon string acoustic. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, I was always just, man, that's so lame. But he he would come in my room and he would play songs on the guitar, even though he's a drummer. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while, I was like, you know, that's cool. What is that? You know, teach me that. And he started teaching me. And then high school came around and middle school came around there was kids that were also getting into music mm -hmm. and so i joined a band pretty young i joined um a band at i think i was like 12 or 13 years old mm -hmm. we played like talent shows and then we we kind of we kind of entered the punk scene in the bay area at a really young age and played some pretty cool venues and stuff with some bigger bands like uzi suicide and stuff mm -hmm. in the area 
which was a really good experience. Even though I'm not really into punk music, it was it was definitely interesting being a part of that scene for that time you know, in the early 2000s. Sure, definitely. And so having that kind of exposure to it at such a young age, you know, what was your kind of philosophy about uh, getting a band together and how to perform and, you know, what kind of straight stage presence you would have? So um, so my dad, he would always influence me in the way where he, he kind of had his own experience. So he was always like, you know, play, have fun, but don't get too, too um, invested. Mm-hmm. You know, don't put all your eggs in that basket because, you know, one day you're going to have to have a side job. You know, it'd be cool to make it, but you probably won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so right right away, I had that mindset of like, oh, this is going to be fun. But, you know, maybe maybe it's not going to be the only thing I do in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but with who I started jamming with, they were really they had really great work ethic. It was like meet, you know, three to four times a week, play for an hour to two hours at a time. Everything needs to sound the same every time. Mm -hmm. And it became it it was a good mindset to really develop earlier on because we also a didn't have that much money. Mm -hmm. And B, we just kind of had what we had. and We just had to deal with it. Um, You know, we'd go to recording sessions and we'd be, you know, we'd have one take. Because we'd be paying for it with, you know, the change and all the money we scratched up in like the last three to four years. Sure. So, so you had you had to be on point. You had to be able to do the recording in one take, or else it just wasn't going to work out. Right. To keep it cost effective and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we couldn't afford to go over it and overdub, and so <laughs> everything sounded very live. Right. And so along those lines, you know, as you kind of. Uh, you know, grew up and kind of understood the process of recording. Did you eventually kind of, um, you know, get your own recording solution and do like independent recording or do you still yeah. kind of, oh, definitely. okay, sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually part of the dollars community. Okay. So, um, I, I like to play around with synthesizers and groove boxes and all, all that fun stuff. And, you know, through there, I kind of developed out of necessity, a home recording mm-hmm. a place where I can record at home and, you know, getting set up in that sense. And, it's it's crazy though because you know it's there's so much to recording mm-hmm. and everybody has you know a home studio nowadays yeah so you know learning new things from people and networking is so important mm-hmm. um, in that sense because there's always going to be somebody that can show you something oh yeah for sure it's kind of one of those things where no matter how good you think you are there's always somebody better yeah oh exactly exactly you can be the best guitarist in your mind but there's some 12 year old out there who's just killing it <laughs> yep and that thus is life um so how did you kind of originally identify the type of content and the voice that you wanted to have like when you created music? So I think it's it's always been kind of deep inside me kind of a thing because to me music and performance is all about expression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all a way for me to express what's inside myself and you know being abandoned as a child and going through a lot of the, the hard things that I've had to go through in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It kind of created this need to be vocalized. And, um, you know, through a lot of my childhood, I was kind of stuffing that that voice down and just saying, you know, you just got to you got to do what you got to do. But mm-hmm. when when art came around for me and, you know, performances and and songwriting, when all that came around for me it was huge because it was a way for me to express myself and say what I needed to say in a way that wasn't extremely direct. 
And um, that was incredibly important to me because the first thing is to me, like I might not be the best guitarist, I might not be the best keyboardist, but my bread and butter is kind of songwriting. Sure. And um, yeah, it's it's been huge for me and just my my peace of mind too. You know, it's it's really a meditation form for me a lot of the time. So between the time when you first started playing in bands when you were uh, a younger teenager versus like where you are now, how many different iterations of a band do you think you've gone through? Oh my gosh, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Because I are we allowed to swear? Uh, yeah, sure, fine, go for it. Yeah. So the the first punk band I was in was Shit for Brains. Okay. Um, which was like a Bay Area punk band, and then. From there, I moved up north, and I was in a band called the Carnivorous Plants. Okay. And then I moved back down and started a solo project called Non Beans. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I started a band with my dad called Heavy Apparatus. Mm -hmm. um, all the while, while Non Beans is going on in the background. And then I played folk acoustic shows as a project called uh, Mother Serpent. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and then I kind of focused back on non-beings and made it a two-piece garage group. And then from there, now I'm kind of starting these numerous electronic projects, most of which are just going under the solo project's name of non-being. Mm -hmm. So I'd say all up probably in between 15 and 20 projects, but most of them I'm not going to remember. And... Sure, definitely. So... Of all of those projects that you have participated in, you know, what are what are some standout memories for them, whether it be, you know, playing a show or in the studio writing or, you know, going to see somebody perform? So the two the two biggest and closest to my heart bands that I was in was um, I was in a Bay Area alternative band called Mon Pubis. Um, and then I was also in heavy apparatus with my father in the Bay Area. And Mon Pubis was the first um, band that I was in where we we got into the age where we were able to play bars mm -hmm. and were really limited to just non-drinking venues. And uh, we we also recorded at Foothill College. We we did a lot of things in the band. We never really gained a lot of popularity, but we got out and we kind of you know we we did that first experience where you know you play to a bar that has maybe two people in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned a lot of networking. I learned a lot of how to book a show and how not to book a show and where not to book a show mm -hmm. um, with that band. You know, we, we would play any and every show that was offered to us. We would play, you know, we played the Continental Club in Oakland, which is pretty much a dilapidated theater from the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, it had the other band members were essentially the crowd and it was Halloween and half of them were dressed up. And uh, it was a weird experience, mm -hmm. and it was probably an experience that we shouldn't have played, but, you know, we just wanted to get out there and get the uh, exposure. Sure. And um, and we thought that was the way to do it. So that that was one of the reasons why that band's so, so important to me. And then Heavy Apparatus is important to me because um, it's a band I created with my father, mm -hmm. and we we had a lot of moments and played a lot of shows. And that band also went through kind of, um, an evolving state because at first it was a three piece with just my dad, my best friend and me. Mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of hired on another bassist and then we hired on a female vocalist and, um, and we, we played some pretty, pretty big, good shows in that band. We played at the DNA lounge a few times, which went over pretty well. And we were able to sell out some local bars, which was nice and having a little bit of money coming in. 
But um, yeah, unfortunately, my my dad got cancer and had to move to Arizona to be closer to treatment. So uh, that that kind of dissipated before we can really get traction. But it, it's still going to be one of the most important projects to me, just because of having that time with my father and mm-hmm. um, and also experiencing a certain time in my life. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, what are some links where people can take a listen to the stuff you're working on and you know check out what you're doing? So, I have SoundCloud. I have an account for my solo project where you can see uh, Nonbean is the name of the project. Um, and then also on YouTube, you can find Heavy Apparatus on, um, what is it called? Reverb Nation. You can find Heavy Apparatus, Mon Pubis, Shipper Brains, and Nonbean. Um, so, yeah, through through any of those websites, you can find samples. There's not a whole lot of YouTube samples of Nonbean, but um, SoundCloud, there's some pretty pretty good recordings on there. Excellent. And so I always like to give the person that I'm interviewing the opportunity to put out uh, their last word. So a message that you kind of feel resonates with you. Yeah. So so my message for, you know, other musicians and just people out there is, you know, just experience all there is that life can offer, you know, and even even if your band doesn't make it, have fun, have fun doing it, have fun creating music, have fun, you know, producing the music that you want to produce don't don't do something just because you think other people will like it that's not the way to go 